Hey guys and gals, welcome back to The Prospecting Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Jason Stapleton, author of the new book, Nomadic Wealth. Jason and I met each other a while ago, and one of the things that we were talking about was how do we get more entrepreneurs who want the laptop lifestyle? So what he did is he put together Nomadic Wealth, which is a book about philosophy and practical steps necessary for anybody to achieve true freedom in their lives. If you're looking for a way to generate predictable and sustainable income from that laptop anywhere on earth, then you need to go to nomadicwealth.com to reserve your free copy of his book. That's nomadicwealth.com, N-O-M-A-D-I-C-W-E-A-L-T-H.com, nomadicwealth.com. Check it out, grab a copy of the book, and let him know that you heard from him on The Prospecting Show. So today is Wednesday, August 19th, and we have Nathan Hirsch on the call. How are you? I am great. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. So for the people who don't really um, know, Nathan and I spoke a little while ago uh, in some of his team about Outsource School, which is a company he has. And before we get into that, um, Nathan, maybe you can give a little bit of background of where you started and also the company that you just sold. Yeah, so I mean, I started off in college just wanting to be an entrepreneur and I ended up finding Amazon. I was buying and selling people's textbooks and eventually got a, a cease and desist letter from my college. Didn't want to get kicked out of school. Started pivoting and trying to sell other products on Amazon. And I did a lot of trial and error before finding the baby product industry and I started dropshipping baby products. And I did that for six years from when I was 20 to 26 sold over $25 million. And I did that primarily using virtual assistants. And I got into virtual assistants because hiring college kids was pretty unreliable. So a buddy of mine turned me on to the Upworks and the Fibers of the world. And I didn't really like those platforms. I, I always wanted something better, faster. So I ended up launching my own marketplace on the side called FreeUp, where we would free vet people before they got on, match them up quickly. On the back end, have great customer service, great support. And that business really took off and surpassed our Amazon business. And we scaled that from a $5,000 investment to doing eight figures by year four. And that business was completely run by VA. It was me, my business partner, 35 VAs remote in the Philippines um, doing everything. And we were acquired at the end of 2019 by, by one of our clients, the, the Hawk, which is a whole nother story that we can get into if you want. Um, but from there, people started reaching out and asking us if we could teach them our systems, our processes. And that's when we had the idea of outsource school. So that's kind of the short version of how we went from books to baby products to free up to now outsource school. Yeah. And so with free up, what was the primary intention? Was it, was it to create just a, uh, a opportunity for people to leverage virtual assistants or was there some specific goal that you were trying to solve yourself? We were trying to build the marketplace that we were looking for. I mean, we didn't like any of the platforms out there. We wanted something that pre-vetted people for us, that matched us up quickly, that had great support, that would protect us if someone quit. So we kept looking for that solution and we couldn't find it. We built it ourselves and we still love that solution. I mean, even though we sold FreeUp, we're still clients of FreeUp. We use the marketplace because it really is the solution to, to, to what we were trying to, to build back then. And, and how many people uh, from the virtual assistant side and maybe even the, the domestic uh, labor side are on FreeUp right now? Yeah, so there's a difference between the, the VAs and the freelancers just offering services on the platform. They, they don't work for, or they didn't work for me. They were just 
offering their service on the platform and my internal team. So my internal team in the Philippines was 35 people. The actual freelancers and, and VAs on the platform, I mean, there were thousands of them by the time we sold it. And I'm sure there, there's a lot more than that now. Yeah, and, and that's kind of an interesting and, and natural progression you had to outsource school. So, so talk a little bit about what outsource school does. Yeah, so outsource school is kind of developed over this year, and we've broken it down into three parts. So the first part is what we call cracking the VA code, where we give people the exact interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing process that we spent years building. Everything from the exact interview questions to how we run meetings to how we handle issues, bonuses and raise programs, all of that. So that's something that you can plug into your, every business that you start going forward and consistently hire A players. Then the second thing is we have what we call our process shop, which is our standard operating procedures, our systems, all around operations and marketing. These can be applied to any business, but they're not niche specific. Stuff like how to have a VA run your inbox, run your calendar and booking, how to have a VA get you on podcasts, do lead generation. And we come out with new SOPs every single month. And then the last thing, is our software, Simply SOP. We can teach you how to make good SOPs, we can give you all of our SOPs, but they're going to be SOPs that we can't make for you, that you have to make yourself. So we created a really cool tool to easily store, create, update, video and text SOPs and share them with your teams. So with Outsource School, you can either buy any of those things separately, or if you become an Outsource School Insider, which is our membership, you get, get access to all three of those, every new SOP that we come out with, plus, access to our community of hundreds of entrepreneurs and our support. Yeah, that that's really awesome. And so for the the kinds of businesses, I know you said you guys are not niche or, or niche, um, you know, niche specific, but what do you find most people are doing with your platform? Yeah, great question. Everyone's a little bit different, right? There, there's lots of people who have never hired a VA before. They're scared to hire a VA or maybe they've hired someone and they, they, it just didn't work out the way they wanted. And so they stay on the fundamentals and, and they implement those processes and they have to do the fundamentals first before they can implement and build their own SOPs. Now we have other people who maybe they've made some good hires, some bad hires, maybe they have a process already. They take our process and upgrade their process to make it better, but they can really fast forward ahead and start grabbing our SOPs, get on podcasts, get out of their inbox, hire a VA bookkeeper, um, or use our software to create their own SOPs and share them for their business. So it just depends on, on where you're at, but we always recommend people go through the fundamentals first. They're easy to implement, they're quick. We give you great examples, we give you all the cheat sheets and templates you need. And then from there, you can figure out, hey, do I need to get out of the operations? Do I want to use VAs for marketing? Do I have other specific things I want to use VAs for? And, and that's more customized to where you're at. Here. Yeah, and, and so let's talk a little bit about your recommendations, right? So we we have uh, over we have sixteen VAs in our company right now, uh, almost all of them from the Philippines, right? We have some from India as well and Bangladesh for different different projects. But two questions for you: number one, why did you start with the Philippines? And number two, if you could only hire one VA, what would you put them on? <laughs> Great question. So I mean, over the Philippines, we hired from a lot of different places when we started it, and we had the most success from the Philippines. They speak English at a high level. Obviously, price point is a factor, um, but they also they learn quickly. They can work U.S. hours depending on what you need and how you set the expectations up front. We found that they're loyal. They like the sense of family. But no matter where you hire from, and I tell people who are hiring VAs for this for the first time. Um, 
like hire all from the same place because especially if you, you haven't interacted with lots of people in lots of different cultures, there is a learning curve. And if you start hiring two people from this country and a person from here and a person from there, that's a lot for you to understand and make adjustments where if you just pick one and you hire all the people from there, you're gonna learn their culture, learn their systems and be able to um, create a better business around it. So that's just some quick advice. And I mean, the first two hires that I make at every business or a bookkeeper and someone to get me out of my inbox. The, the bookkeeper is always my first hire and it's the first hire I'd make if I could only choose one for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, one, I'm not good at bookkeeping. If I did it, I would have to redo it again. Second of all, I don't like doing bookkeeping. And third of all, bookkeeping doesn't actually grow my business. So I want someone who can bill my clients, process refunds, get everything into zero, talk to my accountant. They don't, the VA doesn't file my taxes, but they, but they do all that day-to-day, month-to-month, week-to-week bookkeeping work so that I can stay focused on growing my business and I also don't fall behind on my books. And, and really, this is really important, I get accurate numbers so I can make good decisions based on the numbers that I'm seeing. Yeah, well, that's probably, that, that's very interesting that you say that because most of the people that, uh, or most of the use cases that we've had, we've actually hired for sales first. But when you talk about operations first in terms of uh, um, going to a bookkeeper, I've never thought about it that way because I don't do any of the bookkeeping in the business. So I guess that that makes tons of sense that probably most entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business owners, they are the ones who are probably still doing the bookkeeping or they're paying probably $1,000, $1,500 a month for a US-based bookkeeper. So that's a great replacement um, to be able to have the, the Filipino virtual assistant. Now, have you found that when you bring those people on board, are they already somewhat pre-trained or are you taking them through some type of onboarding process for your business? So we always take them through some kind of onboarding process and virtual assistants, at least my definition of virtual assistants are followers. So they're to follow your system, your process. Now, if you find a really good one, they can help make your process better over time and help you build processes and improve your SOPs. But yes, I am hiring someone that already has, understands bookkeeping. I'm not teaching them what account payable is. I'm not teaching them how to use Zero or QuickBooks. They have to have that fundamentals, but then I'm teaching them how I want it done in my business, which is probably different than the way they want they view me in another business. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's really a critical step because when you look at operations, there are some things like that that you talk about, like knowing how to do QuickBooks or like how, you know, using PayPal or some of these other payment gateways that they might need to know in terms of getting receipts, AR, or things like that. So you're, in your mind, as you transition out of the first VA into a bookkeeper, what's the next hire you make? So it's someone to get me out of my inbox. So, and I'm taught this, I've done this for two businesses now, free up and outsource school. I hire the bookkeeper before we even have revenue, just so everything's set up and ready to go for what we do. And then once we start getting revenue, I hire a VA for my inbox. So wake up or to get on before I wake up, I usually start working from seven to nine, just clearing my inbox, doing my most important tasks of the day. And they'll respond to all the easy emails and let me get a head start every single day. And I found that a way to be very productive. And I mean, I, to go off what you said, I do hire VAs early on to get me on podcasts and do lead generation and sales type roles. What I found is if I tell people that have never hired a VA before or that are kind of newer in business, I'm like, oh, you can outsource sales, you can outsource getting clients, they'll jump to that first without learning the fundamentals and without even having a good sales process that they can even do that they can actually teach to other people. So my whole thing is, you can outsource sales, especially if you look at it like sales is 100%. You can at least outsource the first like 40% of it very easily. But if you haven't figured out what your sales process is, who your customer avatar is, what the full system is that they go through, you have a little bit of work to do before you implement those virtual assistants. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, one of the things that it's kind of like the running joke in our company and some of our clients is say virtual assistants, to your point, are followers. They're like human copier machines, right? They're extremely good at doing the same task over and over again. So if you're missing a period in your email template and they send it out a hundred times, you might have a hundred periods missing, right? So the, if the, the problem there is that they're, well, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? They're extremely good at repeating tasks, but there's sometimes that attention and detail that comes down to training. So you get the bookkeeper, you get yourself out of the inbox, and then you have these opportunities for sales. Where have you found some unique use cases for virtual assistants? Yeah, so I, I use VAs to get on podcasts. And for me, there, there are just so many benefits to being on podcasts. I go on one podcast every single day. I'm booked out until October. Uh, I shouldn't say every day, five days a week. Um, and, and I mean, here's the thing. It's great for networking. It's how you and I connected. It's great for getting in front of thousands of your ideal clients at once. It's great for backlinks and SEO, which a lot of people don't think about. It's great for a snowball effect that leads to better podcasts, other speaking appearances, Facebook Live, Zooms, whatever they are. Um, and on, on the back end of it, you can repurpose those podcasts and use them in your marketing, use them for brand awareness and stuff like that. So for me, if you're not, you don't have to go crazy like I do and go on one podcast five days a week. But if you're not going on a podcast a week, you're really missing out on a great opportunity that's going to complement everything else you're doing in your business. Yeah, and, and that's totally true. It, it's funny you talk about the, the virtual assistants and the podcast because one of the things that we do is we use LinkedIn a lot to get on to uh, podcasts ourselves and then also invite people to our podcast. On the flip side, one of the things that we do, we're a big like 80-20 rule kind of, kind of group. And so what we do is we have the virtual assistants uh, take our podcast. They do some editing on the backside. They'll post it to Anchor. It'll get distributed. And then they take the podcast, strip the audio, and run it through a transcription software software to go get the text and we take that text and upload it to a backlink on our website as a blog without any editing. So just whatever it comes out as, it goes on the website like that. And then what ends up happening is we get indexed for some of these keywords um, because we've actually placed it in the form of a blog too. So we've totally repurposed the podcast, both the audio and the distribution and the text version. And now what ends up happening is I'm not involved with the process at all. So it's like, it's exactly what you're saying. Like if you can outsource it, then, then you might as well do it. So when you do these podcasts for the people who end up listening to this and they're interested in getting the podcasting, what has been the, your selection criterion or what are the types of podcasts that you like to go on and how do you implement that to grow your business? Yeah. So, I mean, you should spend some time figuring out what niches make sense for you. For me, it makes sense in the small business space and the coaching consulting space, marketing, e-commerce, stuff like that. And I mean, outsource rule kind of applies to a lot of different businesses. So you could go a little bit crazy um, and go into a lot of different niches. We try to kind of keep it focused on the ones I just said. What I found is a great criteria for going on podcasts because I, I always feel like like downloads and other stuff like that, even iTunes reviews, like all that can be manipulated. But I look for podcasts that have over a hundred episodes. For me, I found that that's a sweet spot because what'll end up happening is you'll go on someone's like 17th episode and then by episode 25, they realize they don't want to be a podcaster anymore and you wasted your time. And there are, there are exceptions to that. Like if I know that an influencer is starting a new podcast or if I have a personal relationship with someone, I'll still go on it. Um, so it's not a hard rule, but as much as as possible, I'm trying to, to not go on podcasts that have less than 100 episodes. Yeah, no, and, and that's a good point too. I mean, the prospecting show, we're, we're I think 102 recorded, but we're somewhere in the 80s for released episodes. Um, and, and we have them all recorded and keep pushing them out. We're trying to release one a day, but we're always catching up. So the, the interesting thing is 
the viewership, the source of viewership has really changed over time. And it's kind of neat to see the kinds of guests that come on. Um, so in to kind of plug what you guys are doing, maybe walk through um, the types, the, those three categories for outsource school, and then maybe plug some links for people who, if they're interested, can reach out to you. Yeah, so the best link is if you go to OutsourceSchool.com slash Insider, and that'll show you about our membership, which we call Outsource School Insiders. And with that, you get our exact hiring process, interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing, which we call Cracking the VA Code. You get all of our systems, all of our processes around operations and marketing. I named a few. We have got a ton of others. We come out with new ones every single month. You get unlimited access to our Simply SOP software. We'll even take your old SOPs wherever you have them and get them onto the software for you free of charge and walk you through how to do it along with access to our community, our support. And there's some other smaller perks as well. We even give you a $50 VA free up credit to get you started. So that's $9.97 a year. You can even do four month payments, no interest. And yeah, that's what I would check out, outsourceschool.com slash insider. And you can even book a call with us right on the website uh, if you want to talk to us. Awesome. And, and, and so to kind of wrap it up, I know we're keeping this episode real short here and kind of talking very focused on, on what you guys are doing, but what is one piece of advice that you can give people who are starting a business or trying to scale a business and are kind of stuck? I would focus on how do I get five hours a week back? Usually when, when people are stuck, it's because they're burnt out. I know you mentioned the 80 20 rule, which I think is great. So figuring out where you should be spending your time, but also figure out how to get just a little bit of your time back. If you can focus on getting five hours a week back, whether that's five hours a week to spend time with your family and relax, which is very important, or five hours a week to focus on sales, marketing, expansion, trial and error, whatever it is, that alone is going to help you. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to get addicted to outsourcing, to delegating, and you're going to be able to add tasks on top of that. Yeah, that, that's great advice too. And I think, you know, from your experience having free up and then moving to outsource school, and I and I'm, cannot imagine that this is going to be the last company you build. I'm sure that there's going to be a, a plan to, to build something else in the future. You know, with your experience, how does one go from building a company to exiting a company? Let's talk about that briefly and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I'm the best person to speak on that because I've sold one company and, and one of our clients reached out to us and they ended up acquiring us. But I can tell you, the key is to make your business sellable from day one. And we make all of our businesses sellable regardless of whether or not we sell them. And what I mean by that is we create really good processes and we hire really good people. And when your entire business is systemized, then people are actually interested in buying it. Um, I mean, when they were due doing, when the, the new owners were doing due diligence on us, they said, how does customer service work? How does billing work? And we showed them our SOPs that said, who does what, when in every possible situation. And that's what eventually made our business sellable. Yeah, and, and really documentation is, is, is super key. And, and we've had this conversation before. Uh, my parents are, uh, you know, diehard entrepreneurs as well. And one of the things they always talk about is, you know, is the business a sellable business or an evergreen business? And I think to your point, the you can have a great evergreen business that you just kind of churn over every single month. But if you want to convert into a sellable business, the number one thing is SOPs, right? You have to have documentation. You have to have the people in place to do that kind of work. But if you just document it, you will convert that evergreen business into a sellable business. So, you know, Nathan, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast here. I know you've shared a lot of different things um, from FreeUp and from Outsource School. Really appreciate your time. And uh, one more time for that link so that people can find you. Yeah, outsourceschool.com slash insider. And you can also connect with me on any social media channel, Nathan Hirsch. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. 